also to the New Testament, to the book of Ephesians. If you're using the, the church Bible, it's on page 567. The text for this morning is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. I'll read uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14 for a bit of context. This is the reading of God's holy word. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. May we go to our God and ask for the Lord's blessings on the reading and also the preaching of his holy word. Our almighty God, we thank you for your provision for us. We thank you, Father, for your word that is so rich. We thank you, Father, for so great a salvation that you give to us. Father, we acknowledge that as sinners, as covenant breakers, that we have earned nothing from you. Father, we thank you for you indeed are generous to us. Father, that you have spared no expense, that you gave up even your most precious, your only begotten Son, so that we might have great spiritual blessings every spiritual blessing through him. And Father, we acknowledge that even as we go through the difficulties of this life, may we reflect on these great blessings that you have shown to us. Father, we pray acknowledging that uh, oftentimes our focus is on the weeds, the things that we have and don't have each day, that we need to think more about the things that we possess eternally that's kept in heaven for us. We thank you, Father, for our Lord Jesus, for his perfect work. We thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit who applies that work to our lives. And, Father, we acknowledge that all that we have, we have because of your kindness and your grace, that we've earned none of it. Father, we pray if any are here who have not trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, who has not embraced salvation, 
by faith apart from works, we pray that you might do a mighty work. Father, we thank you that you are the one who opens the eyes of the blind, that you are the one who gives true life when there's only death. Father, we thank you for your provision and may our Lord Jesus be exalted and that your servant will be humbled. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. I think about the spiritual life. Much of the spiritual life is an investment. It's an investment for eternity. Think for a moment. If someone were to come to you and say, if you give me a dollar, I will give you $10 in 10 years or $100 in 10 years. You might say, hey, that promise is only as good as the person who's making it. Then if you think about someone who says, if you give me a dollar, I'll give you $100 million in 122 years. Why is that significant? Because the oldest living recorded person lived 122 years. And it's, no, no, I'm not going to give it to your descendants. I'm only going to give it to you. You would say, well, I'm never going to live that long to see it. You realize that the promise, the promise that the Lord gives us about every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, for many people, it's like that promise of in 122 years, your dollar will become 100 million. Because most people think, when am I ever going to get there? This is, this is life here. This is life now. How often do we really think about eternity, about heaven that will come? It all goes back, who's promising? And is his word sure to us? This is what we have in this passage, that God is the one who is blessed because he's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. The return is far more than just that. Jesus says 130, 60, 100 fold, but really the returns are, are exceedingly greater than what we can imagine. The question is, are you and I willing to invest in this eternity? It all depends on whether or not we believe God's promises, that our Lord Jesus' word is faithful, that he's true, that there will be a heaven, there will be a hell, as he has said. We think about how this book of Ephesians presents to us our glorious Savior, Jesus Christ, and his bride, the church. He speaks about this mystery in this passage. This Ephesians chapter 1, it's, it's like the table of contents or it's the introductory passage. He's going to tell you all that he says in chapter 1 further on in the letter, in chapters 2 through 6. And perhaps you're not aware, but this chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, that's 12 verses... 202 words in the Greek. That is one sentence. You think about how children, uh, you get your, your paper back and your teacher corrects you and says, hey, that's a run-on sentence, that's a run-on sentence, that's a run-on sentence. Imagine if there were some person correcting 
Paul's paper here, obviously there's no correction that we can be given regarding the content or what he's written because this is inspired. But the bottom line is he wrote this and, and it's as if it wasn't a run-on sentence. There was nothing wrong with it because here he's, he's starting to talk and, and he's in prison of all places writing and he's overflowing with praise. All of these things coming out and it's uniquely Trinitarian. It's uniquely Trinitarian. Notice in certain parts, he obviously begins in in verse 3, talking about God the Father. And the breaks you'll see, anytime you see this phrase, to the praise of his glorious grace or to the praise of his glory. Each time he switches a subject in the Trinitarian formula, right? he speaks about God the Father. And then in verse 6, from verse 3 to verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace, boom, he's done. He's done talking about the Father. And then verses 7 to verse 12, he's talking about Jesus Christ, and he finishes by saying, uh, let's see, so that you who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of of his glory. And he's done. He's done talking about Jesus. And then verses 12, or verses 13 and 14, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, and he finishes again to the praise of his glory. And so here, it's as if, if you've ever been in a fireworks show or seen a fireworks show, the way it works, you get these onesies, twosies, right? And then at the end, you get this massive, all these shots come up, this grand finale. And it's as if this passage, Ephesians 1, verses 3 to 14, this is like the grand finale that he gives up front. Everything's coming out at once, and then he comes back and he revisits it. And also regarding the matter of time. Regarding the matter of time, God's love to you and to me in Christ is expressed from eternity past to the present and then for the eternity that will be. That God's love to us is expressed from all of that, spanning all of that time period. So the truth that we see here In this Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Praise God who lavished on you spiritual blessings unending through Christ. Praise God who lavished on you spiritual blessings unending through Christ. Here I I flipped around the order for verse 3 regarding the outline. The first is reasons for praise in the second half of the verse 3. And the second the recipient of praise. So the first half the reasons for praise Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We ought to understand that it is our God who blesses us first. He blesses us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That our praise, man's praise, is only responsive. It's only when we're responding to God's blessings that, uh, that we're blessing him. His his blessing of us is, is uh, primary. It's, it's initiatory. He's the one who starts it. So in that relationship, he's the one who initiates. And we must always remember, he's never coming to a neutral party saying, hey, I would like to establish a relationship with you, and I'm going to bless you. We're not neutral parties. We are offenders. We are rebels. And it's one thing to say to a rebel, put down your arms, stop your resistance now, 
And whatever's gone on between us, we'll just call it forgotten. That's one thing. But God is coming to rebels, and he's saying, look what I've done for you. You deserve to die. You deserve to die in eternal death. And instead, I've offered up to you my son as a peace offering. And that this peace offering is the perfect offering, and that you can have treasure in heaven for eternity. So there's no neutral parties. God is the one who gives us this exceedingly great blessing. You see the type of blessing. It's every spiritual blessing. We look at the state of man. How often is it that you hear, according to the teachings of the world, that men are brute beasts? So we go to the zoo. Hey, you see that monkey there? You, you see that, that ape? Just think about what parents would say. Hey, since the Bible is false, we descended from that ape there. So, child, when you act like an ape, when you act like an animal, hey, it's just... It's, an understand, it's perfectly understandable that, hey, I, I, give, you, I give you instruction, uh, I give you guidance, and the response is rejection. We're not merely brute beasts. This is not how God created us. God, there, there's something different about the ape. Well, well, wait a minute. When you look at our structure, they, they have these vertebrae. They have these ribs. They, their skull structure it kind of resembles ours. Well, we have a, a creator who is good. And if a body is going to be a, a body and not some kind of amoeba mass, well, there ought to be a spine, right? But it doesn't mean that we're somehow related to them or we descended from them. What we need to understand here is that flesh gives birth to flesh. But it is only spirit who gives birth to spirit. This is John 3.6. God must give spiritual life. Man cannot produce spiritual life for ourselves or for others. It's impossible. We cannot, we cannot give spiritual life to people. We cannot give spiritual life to ourselves. And in fact, without spiritual life, we're completely unable to see and to value spiritual things that come from God. 1 Corinthians 2.14 But a natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. They're set apart. So the, the natural man, he doesn't accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. They're not important. They're not valuable. They're only seen as foolishness or nothingness. So what are some of these spiritual blessings? We have this whole passage in verses 3 through 14. And it's not as if the Apostle Paul is uh, ashamed to talk about election or predestination because he, he puts that right at the front. He talks about election here. And he talks about adoption talks about being adopted into God's family. He talks about redemption, that Jesus pays the price to set us free. He pays the price of our penalty. And that because of that, we have true forgiveness of sins. 
That there's also the matter of the sealing of the Holy Spirit. The concept of, of an engagement ring is based very much on this passage that this ring I give you because I will follow through to marry you. Well, this is what God's doing. This deposit of the Holy Spirit guarantees that you will have an inheritance in heaven. That he will fulfill on his word. This is what Ephesians 1 verses 3 to 14 says about our spiritual blessings. We look also in the passage we read from Psalm 103. The beginning verses... Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Here we're told, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity. So here, David is talking about the forgiveness of sins. God alone forgives sin. He alone is the one who has the ledger book. You might keep a ledger of other people's sins against you, uh, generally saying, don't do that, right? That ledger will have no eternal significance. The only person's ledger that matters is God's. If he erases the debt, it's erased. If he doesn't erase the debt, it has to be paid. The payment is for eternity. Here also, it says, who heals all your diseases. It's referring to physical diseases. I'm sure it is. But how often is it that when you and I go through the physical ailments that we come to learn about our true spiritual disease? The true issue, if you look at all the people that Jesus healed in the gospel accounts, the true issue, because those people that were healed, those people that were raised from the dead, they died again. Though they were healed from disease, ultimately, they died. Their lives came to an end. But what it was pointing to is that Jesus is the only one who comes and can heal us of our true disease, the the spiritual disease of sin, of our sin nature. He is the one who redeems our life from the pit, life without God, life without hope, and that he gives us a new and a living hope In our Lord Jesus. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. This is true friendship. Here this is faithfulness from God secured by covenant. It's not just a one-time kindness that he gives us. He, He secures that covenant. He secures that kindness and that favor for an eternity. Because he covenants with you and with me. And the only mediator, the only one who can establish that covenant is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The one mediator between God and man. That God is the one who satisfies us with good. And God indeed is that good. It's not the blessings that he gives us. It's God himself, because he alone truly satisfies Here, it's easy for someone to say, well, I like all the things that God gives us in this life. Think for a moment, you're at work, 
the end of the year, this is when, uh, this is about the time when, when bosses start to observe people. I, I had a friend of mine say, the bosses, they're not smart enough to, to consider your record for the whole year. So a month before your review, they start looking around and say, okay, who's doing what, who's working on what? A rather pessimistic view, but I, I can see some, some validity to it. So four weeks before they have to write, write your review, they're looking at, okay, what are you, what are you doing? What are you, what are you working on? But here, we think about what the Lord does. That the Lord is one who, who knows all good. And he sees all of these things. And if you say to your fellow employee, Oh, man, you're so blessed. You got the biggest raise. God has blessed you. Well, is that really blessing? Here, this passage actually says nothing about earthly material blessings. We have a tendency to think in terms of the here and the now. Our tendency is not to think about the eternal. If you thought about these Ephesians, a city, I think it's in modern day Turkey, it's, it's what we would call Asia, right? So this is the spread of the gospel to Asia. The account in Acts was that there, there was uh, this temple or this worship of Artemis or Diana, whichever you, you choose. And with that was all kind of idolatry, all kinds of immorality. And um, you think about what the Apostle Paul does. Notice in this letter, he doesn't say, okay, I'm going to look at all the, all the current issues, all the political issues in your place, and I'm going to address them. Doesn't necessarily do that. Here, he starts out this letter and he points out what they have in Jesus Christ. All of their spiritual wealth that they possess. And instead, he's saying, I want you to focus on these things. These are the things that are significant. In our time, in our place, we have this issue with the health and the wealth gospel. Because apparently it doesn't get men's attention to talk about all the spiritual blessings that you and I have in Jesus Christ. We can't touch it. We can't feel it. We can't spend it. You see how it's very different in our culture versus you think about a culture where the gospel is not only uh, uh, despised, but there are penalties with following Jesus. Obviously there, they don't have a health and wealth gospel. They don't have that issue. Well, hey, if you believe in Jesus here, all of your pains will go away, and you're going to live forever. Or you'll live long. You'll live 122 years. How is that significant? Because those things will eventually come to an end. Have you ever seen the pictures of the people who live that long? I'm not too impressed. Uh, are you? Would you be? Meaning that, hey, is it, is it better just to go? I would think, hey, there, there's some blessing in saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to go. Like you think about Elvis in his prime, right, on, on the Elvis stamp. Do we want Elvis at the end of his life or Elvis at the beginning of his life, right? 
All, all that to say, we're going to have to let go of the things of this life. All the little aches, all the little pains, all the doctor's checkups, those are all reminders that this life comes to an end. Here, we have to ask this question. What is your focus? Is it on the material? Is it on the physical? Or is it on the spiritual things that the Lord has given us? How often do we reflect on that? Lord, I realize that there are tragedies, real tragedies, real pains, real sufferings. I'm not denying, I'm not making light of any of those things. But how often is it that we can say, Lord, you've provided these tragedies to me so that I, so that I might realize that my true joy and my true hope are not in this present life. Because whether it be 10 years, or whether it be 100 years, or 122 years, we will all have to go and meet our maker. We're going to have to stand before God. Maybe another question that you and I can ask regarding the things that are important to us. Will it matter in eternity? No one in eternity will care about how many degrees, how many diplomas are on your wall. They're not going to care about how many dollars were in your investments or bank account. In fact, I don't think the dollar will mean anything. You think about the extent of blessing. It's all or every. It's exhaustive. Here, it wasn't who has blessed us in Christ with some spiritual blessing. Do you remember, you remember the account of Nathan the prophet confronting David the king after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba? That it was Nathan speaking, but it was God who was giving the message. He said, he said to David, I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I also would have given you much more. Here, this is what God is saying. Hey, I showered my blessings upon you. He says, the very house of Israel and Judah. You were king, you were ruler over all of these. And he said, if that had been too little, as in, hey, if that wasn't enough to prove to you my favor and my love to you, he says, I would have given you that much more. But you realize... That's regarding earthly matters. It's not the same for spiritual blessings. It's not. God never says to us, hey, and if you weren't understanding and you weren't convinced of my love, I would give you that much more spiritual blessing. Instead, he says, I've given it all to you. The spiritual pockets have been pulled inside out because he's saying any and every spiritual blessing that you could receive, I've already given it to you through my son. See how it's different than the earthly blessing. He's saying to David, hey, I could have given you more if you weren't convinced. But as far as the spiritual blessings, they're already yours. They're already given. I can't possibly give you any more than I have given you. So the response then, the response to this truth, will reveal to us our hearts. 
every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Your response will either be, praise God, or it will be, so what? You see, there are either two words, praise God, or so what, or who cares? See, this is for the natural man. He's thinking about something well past the 122-year mark. Who cares? I'll already be dead. Who cares? I won't get there to receive it. The sphere of these spiritual blessings, we're told, they are in the heavenly places. Five times in the book of Ephesians, this phrase, in the heavenly places, or in the heavenlies, is mentioned. One of those places, we we looked some time ago at uh, the Christian in complete armor, or in chapter 6 of Ephesians, we have the armor that God has given us. And we're told at the beginning of that passage, Ephesians 6, 12, that um, the battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against uh, the spiritual forces of darkness in the heavenly places. It's against the principalities. Meaning that that's where the battle is being fought. Here... In the heavenly places is a reminder to you and to me that our true home is not here on earth. Does your door at your home, does your house shift and your door start to get stuck? Does that ever happen? You see that you have a rectangular door, but then it starts to form this trapezoid, right? So that the door gets stuck. Or you start to see cracks or leaks. And you might say, hey, It's not a good thing to have your roof leak. It's a really bad thing to have your sewer back up, right? That's really bad. We were talking about that in our family. Someone had to get all his Legos off the ground in the basement, right? Because to clean all the sewer up from that, that, I don't know if it would be worth it. But all that, all that to say, the homes that we have aren't going to last forever. And to have a sewer back up and then have to clean out our house just might be that reminder This home that we have here on earth, it will not last forever. There will be decay. Uh, There there will be uh, cracking. There there will be uh, no no longer being right. right? The the chimney separating from uh, the wall of the house. All of these things are reminders that what we have here on earth will come to an end. It will burn someday. Philippians 3, 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Here. Our citizenship is in heaven. You may be a citizen of the United States. Some of you recently have obtained citizenship in the United States. It's a good thing. You realize that over time, this American passport, right, may not mean as much as it once did, right? But here, what means the most is that if you're trusting in Jesus Christ, then your citizenship is in heaven, and you're awaiting his return. This test of faith, lay up for yourselves treasures, lay not, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, 
where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the challenge that we have. Are we believing God? You will receive what you store up in heaven. Store it up there. Jesus is the one who keeps it for you. It's imperishable, undefiled, kept in heaven for you. This is what you and I must receive by faith. We have also the conduit of blessing. It is in and through Jesus Christ, the Son. Here in the ESV, this mention who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In the Greek, in Christ is at the very end of the sentence. It's pushed back to the end. And here we have this phrase, in Christ, mentioned, and realize that in this passage in verses 3 to 14, in Christ or in Him is mentioned at least ten times. In this whole passage, there are many more references to Christ, at least a dozen. And it's a reminder that the Father's blessings come to you and to me through His Son, Jesus Christ. It's a reminder that if we desire the Father... We desire heaven. There must be a relationship with Jesus Christ. Whoever has the Son has life. And whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. If you're going to have the Father, you must possess the Son. The only way that you can be in heaven as a citizen is if you're trusting in Jesus Christ. That you must trust in Him as your Lord and your Savior. We can't merely think of Him as, hey, when difficult times come, I, I pray to Him and I get all my problems taken away. And at some point, I will die and I'm going to go to Him again. And then He's going to take all the eternal problems away. Like He's the spiritual, uh, I, the, the word, the spiritual sugar daddy. Right? No, no, no. This can't be. He is our Lord. He, he is our Master. He commands us. And that He commands us and we ought to obey Him. That there is a saving relationship that He calls us to. And that to know Him, to know Jesus, is to know eternal life. We ask ourselves, which is the way? What is the way to the Father? We're told it's only through the Son. There is one mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus. It is only through Jesus Christ, trusting in Him. Trust that He died on the cross on behalf of sinners. He died in our place. That He tells us to embrace His promises of forgiveness and eternal life. That surely our sins have been washed clean by His blood. That God makes promises and they are always true. Secured by His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the first point, the reasons for praise. We have the second point, the recipient of praise. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here, I'm reminded I'm supposed to share that even as we're going through this passage slowly, that what a great way to have these thoughts ironed in other than by memorizing this passage. 
Starting from verse 1 through verse 14, what, a, what an important passage that we ought to memorize together, whether it be individually or as a family or as a congregation, that we ought, we ought to use our brain power to do such a thing. So here, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that this salvation is thoroughly Trinitarian. No one's excluded. Everyone's mentioned that the blessings come from God, that they're accomplished by Jesus Christ, and they're applied by the Holy Spirit. That this is what the passage from verses 3 to 14 teaches us. It also tells us that our Lord Jesus is indeed divine, that he is God, that he is the Son of God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The reason why the the Jewish leaders desire to stone Jesus is because he was claiming to be the Son of God. He was claiming to be God himself. That's, That's essentially what he's saying. To be the Son of God is to be God. So this very passage teaches us of the divinity of Christ. Here also, God is the first one mentioned because God is the one who orchestrates all of these blessings. Think about your life. Think about your life. Every detail of your life, God controls, God determines. There's no accident. You think about these books. You remember reading these books as children called Choose Your Own Adventure, right? Choose Your Own. You can't read it from cover to cover, right? You have to read one page and it tells you to make a choice, right? I, I had the ability to, to always take the shortest path. Right? Meaning that I, I never read more than like five or ten pages and, and it came to an end for me. Right? Choose your own adventure. People think about this is how, how life is. No, no, God. Yes, we make real choices every day, but somehow God's plan is the one that happens. And he doesn't have plan B's or plan C's or plan Z. He only has one plan. It's the plan A. And his plan A never fails. Everything happens according to that plan. Down to the last detail. Even the delivering up of Christ upon the cross, that God used the hands of wicked men. You think about the people who betrayed him. You think about the people who made false testimony against him. You think about Pilate standing there, hey, uh, I don't see he's done anything wrong. He could have pushed back, but he didn't. He, he knew Jesus was, 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 was not guilty of what he was accused of. He, know, he knew the, the accusations were fallacious. But he said, you know what, hey, I don't want to write it in my hands. Let's execute this guy. Every detail controlled. Then you look at every detail of your life. Many of you who, uh, who were not born into a Christian household, you think about all the sticky and painful and, and uh, demoralizing and uh, miserable chapters of your lives. And, and you might ask yourself, well, well, God, why couldn't you have saved me earlier and spared me from all this? And you ask, well... Isn't the Lord who brings us to that point of misery so that we might find true joy in Jesus Christ? Not a hair of your head falls to the ground apart from his will. That he is the one who works all things after the counsel of his will. So that he would be the one who receives glory, honor, and praise. So that for eternity in heaven... We can think about all the details of, his, of our lives and, and how, he, how he controlled all those details for our good. 
I was talking with someone the other day. God is the one who gives the growth. That there's someone who harvests. But there's all kinds of people who jump in there, who, who scatters this seed, right? Who, who sprayed a little water, right? Who threw a little dirt. And, and they all amounted to eventually someone grew. Life, spiritual life happened. Here, this passage is a reminder to us about how you and I must praise God in every waking moment of our lives. All the time, we ought to be praising God. We ought to see everything in light of eternity and the priority of eternity. We ought to give thanks when things eventually come and they're taken away from us. Hebrews talks about rejoicing the confiscation of your property, right? These things happen. We talked about the difficulty in other countries, right? I heard about some missionaries, right, who, who say that the Christian woman in their village, that people will just walk into her, into her little hut. They don't have locking doors, right? They don't have double cylinder locks. They just walk right in and they take things away because she's the Christian woman and they laugh at her, right? Well, hey, when those things get taken away, what are we learning other than the fact that those things can't be locked down, they can't be bolted down? I'm not going to hold on to those things forever. Instead, our heart is set on eternal things, things that are kept in heaven for us. Oftentimes, God, he delivers us into painful providences. And I think about myself. How often does God really have my attention, right? And it's through those painful providences that, that we're able to say, okay, God, now, now I'm listening. Right? You, ever, you ever talk to people where you, you, it seems like you can't get a word in, right? And with the Lord, it's as if he has to bring us to those painful providences so that we might say, okay, now, Lord, I'm listening. What do you want to say? What do you want to say? What do you want to teach me? That prayer is the means by which we express our daily thanks. So much of our prayers ought to be in thanks and in rejoicing. And they ought to be frequent before our God. That this praise of God is also expressed in public worship. That we make it a priority for our lives. That we ought to instruct our children and our grandchildren... That we ought to do so by example, showing to others that the worship of God among God's people, that this is a priority for our lives. Here, even as we read earlier, the manner in which we worship God, it's not by our own imaginations. Hey, wouldn't this be great if we worship God in this way? Israel did that. Israel did that. What they were doing is they were looking at all the pagan nations and how they worshipped their false gods. And they were saying, hey, God, we're going to worship you in that way as the pagans do. And God is saying, no, I want no part of that. And here he even says that they're called suggestions of Satan. So we worship God according to his revealed will. This is how he wants to be worshipped. Not in any other way. And we think about our lives. Have you ever wondered what we'll be doing in heaven for an eternity? We'll be praising God. But have you ever thought, is that eternity long enough to praise our God? 
I don't think it will be. I don't think we'll get bored of it. We shouldn't. We, we think about how even the public worship, we're thinking, man, when is this guy going to stop talking so I can go have lunch or I can, I, can catch, I can catch the game, right? Well, you realize that our attitude towards the public worship of God says something about what we view in eternity in heaven. If, if the spending time hearing and learning about God and praising Him, worshiping Him, if that's boring, then what will heaven be for us? I think also, even as we think about this verse, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, begins with a call to blessing God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he tells us about all the blessings that we have received through Jesus Christ, spiritual blessings. I'm going to try to make a comparison. Certainly, it is not a one-for-one blessing. God blesses us one, and we bless him one in return. Right? There's no possibility of that. We, don't poss- we can't possibly know the extent of his blessing. How about some numbers? So much of our world is made up of water. Do you believe that? Water covers most of the earth. The estimation of water, whether it be salt water, salt water is a vast majority, 330 million cubic miles of water. If you think about one cubic mile of water is one mile long, one mile wide, one mile deep. That's a lot of water. But we're told there's 330 million of those cubic miles of water in the world. And think about that as that's God's blessings to us. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And our blessing of God is like a drop. Do you believe that? All that we can do, all that we can say, all that we can pray, all that we can think, all that we can feel is as if we're just giving him a drop compared to the exceedingly great blessings that he has shown us. There's no possible way that we can match it. For an eternity, the eternity will not be long enough for us to give praise and thanks to our God. You and I reflect upon that even as we think through all the blessings that you and I have received. Not so much the material and the physical blessings, but the spiritual blessings that are ours in Jesus Christ. May we go to our God together in prayer.